Okay, this is the first episode of the Masail Isidore MMA podcast, hosted by Masail Isidore. And today, we're going to be talking UFC 270, six days after the event, you know. I'm a little bit late, but it's whatever. So, just going to start with, you know, how I felt, how the whole event went. I was able to watch every single fight besides, which the fight did I miss? I missed the Jack Della Melahena, which was a really one to, really good one to watch. I missed that. The only one I missed, and I think he beat uh, Pete Reed Rodriguez. Ah, oh, fuck, Pete Reed Rodriguez. <laughs> I just said Reed Rodriguez. I gotta cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. All right, get my editors to do that. You know, Pete Reed Rod. Oh my God, Pete Rodriguez. Pete Rodriguez. You know. I think I've seen him fight before too. It's all right, but knocked him out. He looks he looked great, welterweight. So, well, let's start from the early prelims. Uh, I don't think really a lot of people watch early prelims, but we had um one pretty good fight there where um I forget how to say the girl's name Vanessa Demo Palos She um she got dropped. Scrambled off bottom, and then I forget. I threw a type of submission she got. I'm pretty sure she got an arm bar. Anyway, she got dropped pretty bad. I thought she was gonna be out, and then that was then that was a second fight in the early premiums. The first fight in the early premiums, um, Kay Hansen and um, Jasmine Jazz Davisius. Um, Jasmine Jazz Davisius won that by um, UD. Um, it was a pretty good fight. It, w- it wasn't, like, obviously the best fight on the card, but it was pretty good. Um, now we'll go to the main prelims. The first card on that was Matt Frivola and, um, Jun- I forgot to say the name, Donato Valdez. Matt Frivola looked great, you know. He's had he's had a rough go, kind of, recently, and this is a good bounce back. They get a... That guy was tough too, man. He ate some shots. He ate some shots, and he was throwing back. He kept getting dropped. I think it could have been stopped a little bit earlier. I think it was um, guy with the beard there. I forget his name. Um, Michael Beltron. That that's the ref that was doing it. Yeah, he could have stopped that a little bit earlier. I think. Um, the next fight, Tony Gravely, um, Simon Oliveira. You know. When that I don't know I didn't know anything about Simon Oliveira before this fight it was his UFC debut and I said if he fights anything like Charles Charles Oliveira he's gonna make some noise. This was at bantamweight by the way and the last fight before that I forgot to mention there was that lightweight the Matt Favola fight and Tony Grav Gravely showed you know he's a vet he looked great honestly with the takedowns he had eleven out of his fifteen takedowns. And he had more strikes, more significant strikes, you know. Simon Oliveira was pretty good though, but he couldn't couldn't stop those takedowns. Obviously, eleven to fifteen, you let someone shoot seventy three percent on takedowns, you're probably not winning that fight. But he had some decent submission attempts. Uh, he kept going for a guillotine. It wasn't really working for him. You know, doesn't have the submissions like Charles Oliveira. I don't think they have any relation or anything like that. Pretty good, you know. Gravely used to 
I remember one time he gassed out trying to wrestle and all that, but his gas looked good for like an older veteran guy. He looked pretty good tonight, but it's going to be hard for him to make any noise at Bantamweight. That's such a tough division with lots of young young guys coming up. Like, you know, obviously O'Malley's a star, right? Like, Adrian Yan is like um, Kyler Phillips. I know not a lot of people really talk about him. There's so many prospects at Bantamweight. Like, it's I think it's the division of the future. And they're all so young, too. Like, there's not, like, not a lot of those guys are old. And the older guys are at the top or... Um, fighting the younger bucks right now. I feel like the UFC, if they do a really good job managing that division, um, it's going to be the division of the future. Like, man, I don't know. Like, if you're, you don't want to be a bantamweight if you can avoid like being bantam. Like, I forgot to mention like. You got Jack Shore. Um, I was gonna say Ecolev, but he's a he's a featherweight. Oh yeah, we also lost um, a really good matchup on the UFC 270 card. Um, Ilya Tapura and Moskov Igalaev at uh, featherweight, and um, Charles Jordan was gonna step in on short notice and take that fight, but um, that felt fellow because of Charles Jordan having. Weight cut issues, which sucks, but that's a fight you would really want to see. Bantamweight is stacked for the future, though. Um, what's the next fight? We gotta go to here. Yeah, the Jack Delamontana fight, that was a nice knockout. But, unfortunately, I missed this fight, so I really can't give too much analysis on it for you guys. You know, next card, I'll be, I'll watch all the fights. Uh, I I missed this fight. It was pretty good, though. The, the knockout went a little bit viral. Not really viral, viral, but if you watch, if you keep up on the UFC, you've definitely seen this knockout. So, next is the last card in the prelims. Um, Barcelos and Victor Henry. Man, this was a great fight. Barcelos looked great. He lost the UD, but he looked great. But Victor Henry looked amazing in his UFC debut. You know, he's already 34 years old or 35, something like that. He's a vet. He's been fighting outside the UFC for a long time, but he's a vet. You know, this is another Bantamweight fight. Like, Bantamweight, like, this is like, these guys aren't ranked, and he looks, they looked amazing. So, how about Victor Henry, 222 out of 379 strikes, and 181 of 352 significant strikes. Like, that's that's amazing. Crazy volume this guy had. And he looked great, like the movement, you know. He even has nice flow going or whatever. See, what he might be able to make some noise, but he has to. I feel like the UFC should give him a high, like, UFC should give him, like, a guy in the top 15 at least in his next fight because, you know, he's 34. You can't fight him versus other unranked guys right now because he doesn't have that much time. He has one title run, and then he's probably going to be done. It's going to be hard to do 
to make some noise at Bantamweight, but hopefully the whole Pudian thing and Aljamain Sterling thing gets um, settled soon because that's really holding up this division, and there's so much talent. Like, just if you just look at that. Look at the the top ten is crazy. You got, you know, obviously Aljamain's a champ. Well, not really a champ. You know, he won that belt for this qualification. But, you know, he's still, I think he'll still be, I think he's still top five bantamweight, no question. We'll see what happens in, when him April they're fighting? I'm pretty sure they're fighting April. Dillashaw's back, you know, he had that win over Sanhagen. That was a really, really close fight. Personally, I do think Sanhagen won that fight, but it could have went either way, honestly. You got Aldo at three here. Aldo, a little bit of resurgence, he picking up some wins. I feel like Aldo, but the thing is, Aldo, and the, we don't know if he can really last the five-round fights. Like, we've seen he gasses in the five rounds, like, with the Yan fight. You know, he looked great still, but he got finished in the fifth, but... It's hard who I feel like uh, I feel like he still should fight even though it's like a step down the rankings for him he still should fight Dominic Cruz because that's like that's because when Cruz was champion Aldo was at 145 and they were both originally came from WEC so that'd be a great fight to see Sanhagen is still it's it's tough for Corey Sanhagen because he's lost to um, Aljamain at UFC 250 he got submitted there um he lost to Peter Yan and for the interim title fight that was a that was one of the best fights uh 2021 in my opinion he lost to um TJ Dillashaw in close decision maybe I don't think him and Aldo really I don't know if that's a good matchup for Aldo in my opinion like there's lots and like neck if he takes another step down in the rankings Sanhagen he's going to be fighting Marab or something like that that's not you do not want to be fighting Marab. No one wants to fight Marab. And he'd be fight... Um, Dominic Cruz might be a nice fight for him, you know. They're both the footwork. But I, he, I think he wins that fight. I think he wins versus Cheeto Vera. You know, he already knocked out Marlon Murais. He already knocked out Frankie Edgar. See, Sean O'Malley is interesting. He's at number 12 right now. I think... You know what would be honestly a great fight for Sean O'Malley would be maybe even Corey Sanhagen would be a good matchup for him. It's like four versus twelve. Sanhagen's taking that big risk, but that's that's probably that's two guys with that crazy movement too. And two some of the best two of the best strikers almost in the UFC. Um uh Songy Dong is really good too, man. A Sun is gonna be out of the ranking soon. You know, he's kinda meh, you know. He doesn't really fit the bill to all these of all these other guys at Bantamweight here, to be honest. And who else we got? Yeah, I kinda went off on a little drift on to the Bantamweights, but Bantamweight's just an amazing division, man. So next the first fight of the main card. Uh, Michael Morales, Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles coming down from middleweight. Interesting I was interested to see how to do with the weight cut. He didn't physically look that bad at all, really. But Michael Morales starched him. First round KO. And 
you know, Giles is, he's meh fighter in my opinion. I don't really, he should, I don't know what he should do. I don't know if it was, if it was maybe the weight cut that hurt him. Like that he got knocked out like that because he's pretty durable at middleweight. But it's hard for him, right, coming down a division. If he should go, I don't know if he should go back to 185 or stay at 170. It's really, but Morales looked good. He's only 22 years old, which is incredible. And another bantamweight fight next on the card. Saeed Namagomedov and Cody Stamen. That that was you know, uh the way Seed wrapped up that guillotine, man. It's crazy. And Stamen's Stamen's a tough tough night for pretty much anybody. Every time he fights, Corey Stamen's a tough night. And you know, Seed what kind of reminds a lot of people were saying kind of reminds of Zabit because he's a training partner of Zabit. He actually has no uh relation to Khabib and then he doesn't train with like doesn't train with Khabib and Islam and Usman and and guys like that. He doesn't. He just has the same name. Doesn't train with them. And he looked great with the. He had some nice kicks. Got some nice kicks. Forced those kicks is what forced that desperate shot from Corey Stamen, which got him into that guillotine, which resulted in him getting submitted. So that's a great performance. You know, that's another bantamweight. See, bantamweight's so stacked, man. So. We go to the next fight, welterweight. Michelle Pereira, king of the backflips. Andre Filo, you know, make, making his UFC debut. I feel like he kind of, at the first round, he was kind of like adjusting to the UFC, but he's a pretty good fighter, man. He has a really big head. <laughs> um, Michelle Pereira looked pretty, pretty good. Decent volume. Like, he threw 112 strikes, and 107 of them were significant. So, that just speaks on what type of fighter Michelle Pierre is. Always entertaining. You know, sometimes he's kind of taking it down a little bit to kind of like, you know, try to get some, help him win a little bit more. But, he looked good. I think he he's kind of finding that balance now of like, you know, being exciting and fighting for the win. You know, in his last fight, he fought on Conor McGregor's card, you know. He had kind of wanted to show out, you know. It's a good time to show it on a Conor McGregor card. So he pulled off a backflip in the middle of the fight versus Nico Price, which that's pretty cool to see. I actually have a video about that posted on my TikTok, Sailors MMA. Most of you guys watching this podcast are probably going to be coming from the TikTok anyway. So, Okay, the co-main event, or one of our two title fights at UFC 270, Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo. Um, I I kind of have mixed feelings about this fight. My to be honest, like I feel like a lot of people wanted Brandon Moreno to win. Me personally, I do. Have, I have a soft spot for Brandon Moreno, especially after that UFC two sixty three win. You know, that was one of my favorite cards. That twenty twenty one was two sixty three, because Israel Adesanya is my favorite fighter, tied with Max Holloway. So that made that a special card for me and. Um, their first fight, people were saying this is the best flyweight fight of all time and stuff like that. No, you haven't watched their first fight. Their first fight was the best flyweight fight of all time. Uh, I think that was the headliner of USC 256, December 2020. That was the best flyweight fight of all time. That ended a draw, but I'm going to be 100% honest. Figueredo won their first fight. If it wasn't for that point reduction, he definitely won. But... 
this is a close fight. Honestly, I could go either way. You could say either person won this fight, but, you know, Moreno had more volume by a little bit. But Figueredo had those knockdowns, but it's not like those knockdowns, like, stopped Moreno from being effective. Moreno uh, pretty much fought the same after the knockdowns, like, but, you know, knockdowns score more points, so you could go either way with this fight. I think they should fight a fourth time because you have a draw, you have the Moreno win, decisive win, no questions, rear neck a choke, you know. Then you have this, a decision, close to, another close decision. And then you have the fourth fight, which whoever wins, I feel like that settles it. Like, you Figueredo won the first fight, but he lost points. He lost points for fouls, you know. Stuff happens. I don't think any of those fouls are intentional, but stuff happens. They, they, do, make, they do make a difference on the fight. If someone gets poked in the eye or kicked in the groin, they, that type of stuff makes a difference. So, I don't know. Had to really fly this. These two guys that are single-handedly carrying flyweight. There is some. There is some good people coming up in flyweight. Like Pantoja deserves another shot at the title. Uh, what's that? Askar Askarov, dominant wrestler. Um, Cody Garbrandt's down there. He's not really doing much. You know, Kaikar France. France never fought for the title. Um, Bontherine. There's lots of good flyweights. Flyweights growing, you know. It's not, it's not dead like it used to be. And now we have the main event. The main event. One of the most interesting fights I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. You know, you got Cyril Gan, Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight marbles. You know, coming to this fight, I said. Cyril Gon's a better striker, grappler, better conditioned, better IQ, pretty much better at everything. But you know, Francis has that that one knockout power that that can end end it all. So the first two rounds are kind of played like how people expect it. You know, Gon uses movement in and out. You know, just touching Francis, avoiding getting hit. You know, won those first two rounds easily, and then in the third round. Francis gets a massive slam. That that just I feel like that shook up pretty much everything when they I was screaming when I saw that slam. Like I was going crazy. I was like I did not expect that at all. I don't think many people really expected Francis to wrestle. Four to five takedowns for Francis, which is crazy. I think I think in his career he landed at one takedown before. So that just kinda speaks to the volume of tonight. Not tonight. UFC 270 wasn't tonight. You know, Saturday's volume, whatever you want to say. But, yeah, Francis, and then he he was using a little bit. He didn't do much on the top. He was kind of just ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. But it was, it gets, it gets points. Like, just, Cyril gone. I think he needs to make a lot of improvements because if you look at it, Francis Ngannou just started wrestling. I would not consider Francis Ngannou an elite wrestler until he shows versus more experience. But the skill level, like skill level and the skill gap at heavyweight, is like no other division. Like some heavyweights, really, honestly, they suck compared. Like a the 15th ranked heavyweight sucks compared to 
the 15th ranked lightweight, the 15th ranked pretty much every division. Like, some heavyweights really technically actually suck. They just have knockout power because they're massive. Like, yeah, some most heavyweights technically suck. So, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot surrounding the main event of UFC 270. Um, you know, Fernando Lopez, you know, Francis' ex-coach, you know, these guys spared. They, Francis didn't consider him a training partner. They said they, they trained, but they weren't really training partners because when Cyril Gaon was there, he was, Francis was only there. He was in between there in Vegas. You know, the beef between Francis and his old coach, the beef between Francis and the UFC, the contract dispute, Francis, you know, Francis is... Really doing something special here, I think. You know, to pull off that win. You know, I also forgot to mention his knee tore his MCL. Like, Francis is a warrior, you know. I would... Don't ever do Francis Ngannou. Whoever do to Francis Ngannou this fight should never do Francis Ngannou again in their life. That's the one mistake you should never make because he shows he's a warrior. He, he won't give up. He believes in himself and doesn't matter what happens. He's going to be there. He's gonna, he just, he just, I feel he's mentally so strong, so, I, I honestly thought Francis, even though Francis, like, got dominated those first two rounds, I, I said, you know, Francis can still win any time, but I expect him to win any time by a knockout, you know, Francis kind of does this thing when he's tired, like, he kind of puts his mouth open, he's kind of like, I don't know, I couldn't really, can't really show it, like, audio but he kind of like like kind of he kind of moves like a zombie kind of thing and he like overextends and he just like he just it's kind of like when someone gets rocked like the way he moves it's kind of like he's like he just got rocked like when he and he mouths open and his head is like going like bobbing like but i expect it i was like you know francis can still win this anytime but i expect it to be by knockout i didn't expect him to out wrestle Cyril Gaon. I expect I thought Cyril Gaon was better than that on the ground. He did almost get a knee bear, but he attacked it. I feel like he attacked that knee because he saw the uh, knee brace. He suspected something wrong with his knee. But it was just amazing to see the evolution of Francis Ngani, you know. It might not have been the most exciting fight, but there's a lot of context behind that fight. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into that. And just the thing with the UFC, I don't think Francis might not fight in UFC again, honestly. Like, he's his contract ends the end of this year, December twenty twenty two, and he's gonna be out for ten months anyway because he's having knee surgery, recovering nine to ten months, and it's I don't. It's really hard to understand what's gonna happen. Next, like, Dana White didn't put the belt on him and all that, but Dana just recently cleared all that up by saying he left that shortly after, in either, I think they said halfway or shortly after the co-main, and he had something to deal with, and, you know, Francis, Francis could go box and make a lot of money. If the UFC doesn't want to give him in his contract that he can box, he doesn't, they don't want to give him the right amount of money, they want to give him the right amount of freedom. I feel Francis has no problem leaving the UFC. So, you know, I feel like this is a lose-lose for UFC, honestly. Like, if he, if he loses, 
I mean, not. If they lose Francis, that's a big, big stare you lose. And it looks bad on them anyway because you refuse to treat treat him how he wants to be treated. And then if they keep him, it shows that, you know, fighters want, if fighters be resilient, they can, they can, if they have the leverage and they be resilient, they can get what they want, which is a both lose-lose situation for the UFC and Dana White, in my opinion. Dana White is, he's a master. Like, I have a lot of respect for Dana White, but he does have to pay his fighters more for sure and a little bit more freedom. And Yeah, that was a great fight. A lot of people are saying it's kind of boring, but, man, you don't appreciate evolution if you thought that was a boring fight. But that's it for today, you know, just kind of talking about UFC 270. Oh, one more thing. Henry Cejudo as a coach is amazing, you know, to make those comeback, make those changes, because Figueredo looked great. Like I said, like, if Figueredo comes in there, like, you know, look, not in shape. I can't say in shape. He's always in shape. He was shredded all those fights, but the weight cut issue that he had at UFC 263 kind of got us, like, you know, a little bit too big. Like, you know, he had to even lose some muscle to make it easier to make flyweight. And Henry Cejudo as a coach, just, like, all, like, the videos and all that. Like, Henry Cejudo seems an amazing coach. Like, just amazing coach. So, we'll see if Henry Cejudo gets any more pupils and continues to be a coach. And, you know, he he tried to get that Volkanovski fight when Holloway pulled out. But that, that didn't happen. Dana White didn't let that happen. Um... That would have been crazy to see a guy who started at flyweight, wins the bantamweight belt, defends both of those belts, Olympic gold, comes back, wins flyweight gold. That would have been crazy. He's a little bit short for flyweight, but I feel he he had definitely had a good chance to be Volkanovski. Volkanovski is so good, man, though. I'm excited to see him versus Korean Zombie, see how that plays out. And touch on a couple other things here. You know, Jeremy Stevens is out of the UFC after 34 fights. That's, you know, he's on a bad, he was on a bad skin. That's understandable. You know, people were saying when Alex Volkov and Tom Aspinall got announced for the UFC London card, that it was going to be shitty. But they have a lot of good fights on there already. Like, I think the Dan Hooker fight, that's going to be fight of the night. Patty Pimblett's on that card. I'll be making some videos on TikTok about UFC London shorter than later. Um, Charles Oliveira, uh, Justin Gaethje, UFC 274 May 7th. That's going to be an amazing fight. I don't really want to get into talking about that yet because I have a lot to say about that. I really don't have a prediction for that yet either. And um, Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad. Um, headlines April 16th. That's it. I'll talk. I'll make a, another podcast, um, touching on all on on just the news roundup around the UFC MMA. Um, I'll touch on Eagle FC real quick. You know, Khabib says um, if they don't treat if UFC Bellator don't treat their fighters good, um, Eagle FC is here. I think Eagle FC is doing great things, but they need they. 
they should really rely on their Russian talent more than their than signing older vets, because some of these guys were cut for a reason. Like, and guys coming in retirement, like Rashad Evans. I think Rashad Evans should stay retired, in my opinion. He's pretty old, and no disrespect to Rashad, he was a great champion, but I don't think like stuff like that that you don't want to have like a goon promotion. You know what I mean? Like just picking up old. I'm not gonna say bums, but like picking up old guys that aren't elite elite level fighters. You wanna you wanna show Khabib. I thought Khabib's main mission is to show off really all the Russian talent, and then kind of bring in some guys like the Kevin Lee signing is good, but having him fight Diego Sanchez for a 165 belt. I think Kevin Lee. Wipes the floor with Diego Sanchez twice over. Like, I don't think that's a good matchup at all for Diego Sanchez. And Diego Sanchez should be retired, in my opinion. But Kevin Lee still, we'll see what Kevin Lee's got. Maybe 165 is what he needs, you know. Khabib is very smart for making a 165 division, though. Because UFC needs a 165 division. There's so many guys stuck in between lightweight, you know, and welterweight. You know, they're a little bit too small for lightweight. I mean, not lightweight. Welterweight, they're a little bit too small for Welter, but they're too big. They have a really hard time making that one. They have a really hard time making that 155. Like half of the welterweight division is old lightweights that couldn't make the weight anymore. Like most of that division is old lightweights. Masvidal Burns, not Colby Covington was never lightweight, but he could make he could probably make lightweight, but it wouldn't be easy. Usman is a uh, pure one seventy though. Usman couldn't make sixty five or fifty five. Hear about uh, Usman uh, saying he was gonna skip out of Sanya, you know, because he wouldn't fight out of Sanya because they want to keep Usman said he doesn't want him to be selfish instead of having one one African with two belts. He'd rather have rather have. You know, two different Africans have the belt, which I think is great. Um, Jake Paul um, is going to release a diss track video targeting Dana White, Conor McGregor, and Jorge Masvidal. I think this is Jake Paul is a master of marketing. I have I don't you know I res I don't really respect Jake Paul as an elite fighter. I don't respect the guy as a fighter, but I definitely respect the guy as a marketer. He is a master marketer. And I think he's he's ha he's having a good impact on UFC fighters. Like he's gonna get these, he's gonna help these guys get paid. I believe. Like, you know, T Wood, he got T Wood paid, but got Askren paid, but that doesn't count. I mean, like in the UFC, he's gonna help these guys get guys that are in the UFC. He's gonna help these guys actually get paid more, cause you know, there's no reason for fighters to be broke. I don't think no fighters should be broke. These guys are professional athletes. You shouldn't be broke as a professional athlete. All the other leagues, you know, like, you don't, you're not broke. Other professional athletes are not broke if they make goods. But even if you're a low-level, example, if you're a low, low-level NHL player, you're making 750 k You're not broke unless you're done with your money. Like, but a low-level UFC fighter is making 15000 a fight. And you have to pay, you have to pay everything because, you know, that independent contractor thing. Dana's talk about you have to pay your coaches, you have to pay your hotel and all that, pay your own for all everything, pay all your own way. He just like these guys don't make barely anything. These guys are broke. Like the low level UFC fighters are legitimately broke. 
So that should not happen at all. You know, there should be, I think, the base for a UFC fight should be 50. You should, every UFC fighter should get 50,000 guaranteed. And the elite level guys should be getting paid more. Like, there's no reason why Francis Ngannou should have made 600K that last fight. No reason why Davidson Figueredo made 150K and Brandon Moreno made 200K and Ciro Gan made 500K. Like, that's, those are championship fights. These guys should all be making 5 mil plus, in my opinion. Like, the UFC can afford to pay their champions all 5 million plus. And title, title challenges, like, Figueredo should have got paid at least, like, 3 million to fight for the title. And now he's a champion, so, champion again, so, like, former champion should not have been making 150k, and he won back the belt. This is... Stuff that shouldn't be happening. But. Anyway. This is it for the very first episode of Masilla's Their MMA Podcast. If you're not from TikTok. Make sure you follow me on TikTok. is Their MMA. And thank you for listening. And come back for the next podcast. Thank you.